Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. Already an awesome time of worship. Just getting to express gratitude and getting to lean into the presence of God. And so we're going to go ahead and get into our message slash conversation today. We're looking forward to getting into this. Um, But before we do that, just a quick recap to get you all up to speed. So if you were here last week, you know that we started a mini-series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And uh, this is a book by an author named John Mark Comer, who is a really brilliant writer, teacher, spiritual leader in the Portland, Oregon area. I would encourage you to go check out more of his stuff, a lot of wisdom to be found and applied. Um, But last week, we started to unpack some of these things. This is actually a series that we did in full a few years ago, but we felt like for the season of life that we're in as a church and a community, we wanted to bring it back to the forefront. And so a few things that we talked about last week, because we kind of laid out a really important foundation. So we started with a quote by a man named Dallas Willard, who said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. The hurriness and the rushing around and the pace of life in which we live it today is truly becoming, or may already be, the biggest obstacle in our journey to be like Jesus, which is something to seriously consider, to to really truly think about. And so last week we talked about, it's interesting how in our culture, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, the the default response every one of us has is that we're busy, right? Man, how are things going? They're great, just busy. The week's been busy, the month's been busy, the year's been busy, we're busy, busy, busy. But the truth is, as we kind of scratch beneath the surface, what we find is that what we really are is distracted. We're, We're distracted. We're not focused on things that actually matter. We're not giving our lives to things that actually make an impact. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. We threw around some numbers last week, but just to remind you, on average, the average American today spends three or more hours on their phone every day, uh, about six hours a day on the internet, and about five hours a day watching television. That's not including uh, kids' sports. That's not including shopping, video games, on and on we could go, right? You start adding up the numbers and, and you realize, oh my gosh, we are, we are wasting our lives away on things that don't matter. Meanwhile, if you go and, and do some research and you study the primary epidemics in our day, especially from a mental health standpoint, it's anxiety, chronic exhaustion, distraction, loneliness, lack of purpose, all of these things line up with the fact that the pace of life in which we live it is not sustainable. It's not how we were created. And yet as we read through the gospel accounts and we think about the life of Jesus, he lived very differently than that. He he was very busy in the true sense of that word, like he was actually focused on things that matter and make an impact, but he was never hurried. He wasn't like in a, in a big rush all the time and, and therefore he wasn't agitated and irritated all the time. That's not what we see. Instead, he was present and, and he was in the moment and he was just there to be with people and to spend time with them or to meet their needs. He was mindful. He was intentional with everything that he did. And then we talked about this in Matthew 11. He invites us into that. He says, come to me. 
all who are weary and heavy laden, you're, you're doing all these things, just come to me and I will give you rest. And then he says, my yoke, my way of life is easy. The, the burden is light. He invites us into this. So what we're going to do both today and we've extended it into next week as well because there's so much. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the ways that we can actually do that. Like the practical things we can apply so that we can experience this lifestyle that Jesus calls easy. We call these spiritual practices. These are things that, that you and I do that aim us in the direction that we want to go. A wise man once said, what you practice eventually becomes who you are. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So Devin, what's a spiritual practice that you regularly do? Well, before I even go into that, can we bring up the house lights just a little bit? Um, this is going to be more casual. It's going to be a little more conversational this morning than, than the normal. Um, but first off, before we even like get into the, the practical, um, this, this message of hurry, does anyone else feel like they are just like wound up tight all the time with this hurry, right? Like this, I feel like this holds so true. We just spoke on this, this full series last year, early last year. And um, my goodness, like going, Dustin speaking last week, and uh, I'm like, gosh, this is hitting way too spot on, like way too spot on. I am all wound up, and I feel like so many of us are. But like um, spiritual practices. So uh, for me, there's there's a couple things. You know, um, my morning time is like needed. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I do morning time versus when I don't do morning times, just drastically different. Um, so that's a really huge one that sets the tone for my day. Um, I go in, and when, some, when I hit my first obstacle, if I don't have my morning time, I'm a whiny baby. I'm, I'm negative. I'm like, it's just the rest of the day, like, this sucks, you know, just like really bad. Um, if I have my morning time and I hit that obstacle, it's vastly different on how I'm able to handle it. My, my mentality, my perspective, the ability for me to work around that at that point is drastically different. So in your morning time, give us one example of, of something you might do. Yeah, so one thing I do is I, um, I, I kneel down, and before I even pray, I do this kind of breathing exercise that just like calms me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like my mind is all over the place. Uh, my family has diagnosed me with ADD. That's, that's not doctor's diagnosis, but family diagnosis. Um, and so my mind is boom, 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 just kind of all over the place. And so there's something about this like breathing exercise. We sang about you know him breathing life into us. We see that from the beginning of scripture. He breathes his life into us. There's something that happens when we just... You had us do it last week. And I, I told Dustin, I was sitting right next to Andre, and I was like, I'm doing this. I'm like leaning all in on this. And I just like breathed, and I like sank into my seat, and there was just like peace. Like, so I start with that, mm-hmm. and then it like gives me this focus and clarity to then go yeah. into prayer. Start with gratitude. Yeah. You, you, they say you can't be stressed and blessed. Right? So, so like that's starting from a place of gratitude where I know I'm so blessed. And so then all of a sudden my worries, yeah. my stress kind of fades So it's, it's a good example. So 
Devin practices mindfulness, prayer, and so as he practices these things, this is the person that he becomes. So that throughout his entire life, he becomes somebody who in the moment is gonna be mindful, he's gonna be present, he's somebody who communicates with God, who listens to God, that becomes his lifestyle because he practices these things. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say, and I already said, there's days I don't do this, there's days I do it correctly, you know? And so this is a practice, this isn't perfection. Mm-hmm. And, and so like something that's huge with this is when we screw up, then we, we live in this shame and then we stop doing what we're, we're supposed to be doing because we're beating ourselves up so much. Listen, this is a practice. Mm-hmm. This isn't perfection. Yeah. Just keep doing the best that you can do. Yeah. All right? That, that, that's key because if we throw it all away as soon as we screw up, then we're not helping ourselves at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a practice. So psychologists, they call this your impulsive will versus your reflective will. So let me explain that real quick. Your impulsive will is the part of your will that is reactive. It's instinctive. So somebody cuts you off on the highway. What's your reaction? <laughs> maybe, maybe you're at home and, and uh, the kid disobeys you. What's your natural reaction in that moment? That's your impulsive will. Your reflective will is very different. It's the, the part of your will that allows you to take a few steps back, to breathe, to process the situation. Why did this happen? What were the intentions behind it? So that then you can actually respond the best way possible. But what's interesting is they say if you practice your reflective will enough, it will eventually become your impulsive will. So slowly over the course of time, your impulse becomes more measured, intentional, more wise. And this is what spiritual practices are for. They are there to train us to have the impulse that at any given moment, we're going to react the way that we truly desire, the the person that we truly want to be. So again, Dallas Willard, he puts it this way, spiritual practice in Christ would then ideally result in a person whose reflective will for good has settled into their body in its social context so much to the extent that their natural responses were always to think, to feel, and to do as Christ himself would. And that's what we're aiming for. Yeah, and I love how you called out the kids as an example because Tara and I, uh, we just went on a, a little getaway trip to Florida, which was so filling. It was just so good. It was a time to get away to breathe. And um, we went through a parenting book and it was like this, this, um, it united us for one, but it also helped me think through, I can't just impulsively react at these kids in a way that is teaching them anger. Mm -hmm. I'm yelling at them. All right. You know, and, and that's what I'm teaching them through my impulsive reaction versus since then, it's beautiful. Again, it's a practice. All right. Roman can get me going. All right. But but it's a practice because I'm already learning just since this summer that when it happens, I feel that impulsive trigger. And then I'm like, hang on. And, and you know, like the fruit of the spirit, self-control. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we have control over these things. So I, I, it, I have that mm-hmm. moment where I'm like, okay, calm down. What is actually going to teach him the things that I want to teach him, not my instinctual impulsive reactions? Yeah. Uh, and so. let me just call out as we're talking about this whole concept of hurry. This is one of the things that hit me really hard as I was reading this book because I started to realize that I am training my kids to be in a hurry all the time 
Just kind of, every day, everything that I do. Come on, kids, hurry, hurry and get dressed. Come on, kids, hurry and get in the car. Hurry and go to bed, right? Like I'm constantly teaching them to be in a rush. So they're gonna grow up to not have any mindfulness. They're not gonna be intentional about anything because I have them so wound up. And so I, I wanna be much better about that. That hit me so hard last year. That was one of the like, standout things you said last year in the series that, that really hit me because it's so true. Uh, one of the other things about practices that is just interesting is our culture, this, this culture of hurry, has also fed into our actual spiritual practices that we do, mm-hmm. that we speak about many times. Mm-hmm. But catch this. This is pretty crazy, all right? So there's a difference between engagement spiritual practices versus withdrawal spiritual practices. Okay, so engagement. Let me know if you've ever heard of this. It's like reading the Bible. It's like praying. It's like all the doing stuff, okay? The things that we don't talk many times about are the things in this series that we're going to be talking about are the withdrawal spiritual practices where we are going to learn to step back, slow down, be reflective, I just came from the Grand Canyon this week, and I can't get over it. It was just incredible. Talk about a time of reflection. I was just like in awe. And listen, I was just overwhelmed by the presence of God as I just stood there and reflected in his wonder, his awe of who he is. And I know Grand Canyon's like, we can't just walk out the door and be at the Grand Canyon. But let me tell you something. Something that stood out to me a lot at the Grand Canyon were the birds flying in the air. The little chirping of the birds, the squirrel jumping from tree to tree, you know, things that we just, if we would slow down enough to just see his great creation and reflect on it, those are the types of spiritual practices that we're going to be talking more about is, hey, rather than do, 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 do this, do that, do that, you got to do this. If you miss that, then no, let's slow down. Let's be more reflective of who our God is. Mm -hmm. Which is a great segue. So we're going to go ahead and get into some of these spiritual practices. So get your notes ready. Get your mind ready. I I want us to take this seriously. This is going to aim us in the direction that we want to go. And uh, Devin already mentioned this several times. But the first spiritual practice that we want to give ourselves to is the practice of slowing down. Slowing down. Now, you might be wondering, is that really a spiritual practice? Yes, it is, especially in our culture, because again, it is going to train us to be more like Jesus. Anything that does that is a spiritual practice that we definitely want to give ourselves to. So maybe give us a definition of what that looks like. Yeah, so our definition of this spiritual practice of slowing down, and listen to this, because it's, it's going to be, it's kind of like nails on the chalkboard when you, when you get there. Cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Just wait. Putting ourselves deliberately in a position where we have to wait. Choosing to choose the long grocery store line. So you just deliberately have 
to wait. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. <laughs> Sounds fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. We'll, we'll get into some of the practical things that, that we, we feel like are relevant to our world, world today. But just to be really clear, when we talk about slowing down, um, there's a difference between being slow and being sluggish. Okay? So, so we are not promoting laziness. Or, or lethargy. We're not promoting those things. We're promoting being mindful, intentional in the moment, which again is very emblematic of the life that Jesus lived. And so we just want to call that out. We, we want to be really clear about what we're saying. Here's the thing with the idea of slowing down, which seems really practical and high level. Um, many spiritual practices today, we don't understand them because we've gotten away from understanding how holistic we are as beings. We have a mind, we have a body, we have a spirit. That's a holistic being. And what's interesting is since the Enlightenment era, Christianity has become primary, primarily an intellectual endeavor. So it's all about, okay, so I need to understand and download this information. Everything else will take care of itself. And so we don't engage our bodies. We don't engage our spirits. We don't like go all in with it. I heard an analogy recently that was uh, effective for me. But if, if you play golf, it's really easy to understand in your mind how to be really good at golf. You can download that information, but to get it into your body and have your body respond in the way that you want to is a lifetime endeavor. Trust me, right? And so it's the same way with, with a spiritual practice like slowing down. We can't just understand it. Yeah, I need to slow down. We have to somehow get it into our being so that it actually slows our heart rate. We become the person that we want to be. Yeah. Um, who knows that if, if you golf, it also triggers a lot of impulsive. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very humbling. Um, yeah. So let's get into some, some habits. Okay. Uh, some of the things really super practical. Okay. Really practical that we can do to slow down. So the first category is just slow your everyday pace. All right. Every day, just slow down. So some really simple things. Yeah, like just be a law-abiding driver. Yeah. All right. All right. So this this you know this hits me. All right. Um, but what if we were to like drive the speed limit and just intention? <laughs> I see people like I, I just we're gonna have to sit on this. We're gonna have to digest this. What if we were to just slow down enough to be just like drive the speed limit, to not feel that need to swerve around someone? Now, now I said drive the speed limit. If you're under the speed limit, we're yeah. all going to have a lot of impulsive reactions as well. But, but like if we were to stop completely at a stop sign, Tara always gets me on this. If we were to actually just slow our pace down enough to just actually like drive like the law said. <laughs> but like that's, that's the kind of an example we're talking about. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like that sounds really silly probably, like almost too practical. But I'm not, I'm not joking. That one thing has had probably the most impact on my spiritual journey and I'm not <laughs> kidding at all. 
just slowing down. I intentionally just hang out in the slow lane. Yeah. And if somebody's driving slow, and I, I fight that urge to like get around them, and I just slow myself down. And initially, it sucks. I hate it. But then over time, like it gets into my body, and I start to breathe again, and I start to slow down. And honestly, I'm not irritated, and I'm not always mad at people as I'm driving. It has seriously had a profound impact. Yeah, I, I know you. I remember you implementing. Oh, this. you're gonna call me out? No, okay. no. No, in a good way. Like I, I it was it's kind of inspirational for me to be like, oh, like that's an option. Like I can just not drive well over the speed limit. Um, but th- this is this is something that is huge and something that's important is um, in order to do this, we're talking about being deliberate, being intentional. And so one of the things that you know, I know for myself is I wait for the very last second to start running out of the door. And then I have to like, you know, Mario Andretti this thing to get there on time. And so uh, I have, I, my, my mother-in-law just for some reason this clicked with me. She, I know she's a very punctual person. And um, she's like, yeah, I just plan on being there about 15 minutes early. And I was like, oh, that's really simple. But, but I started to do that, and then I found that I wasn't, by the time I got wherever I was, I wasn't all wound up from flying there, you know? And so just that simply has been a, a big deal. So, so you know yourself, and, and your practice is better than anybody. Find the things that speed up your heart rate and, and that make your mind go crazy, and just intentionally slow those things down. If you can, stop those things. Uh, there's a really cool quote from Dwight Eisenhower who said, what is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. Um, so we, oftentimes our lives are led by what we think is urgent, and it's not really important. And, and we see this in scripture, like a story like the Good Samaritan, right? People are just flying by what is most important, and the Good Samaritan actually stops, and he deals with what, what is truly important and valuable in this life. Uh, we see the story of Mary and Martha. Martha's busy, and she's dealing with the house, and Mary's just like seated at Jesus's feet on what is truly important and valuable. And so that's what we want to do in our lives. So find the things that allow you to slow down your everyday pace. Yeah, this could even be just walking, like just slow down. I remember there's times where I'm like, I take pride in like, I'm flying past these people, you know, like I, and and like just slowing down that. Or um, this is something that we got to get back to, honestly, just being honest, is eating at the table as a family. You know, just like, having that time to spend intentionally with my family so that we can spend time together, we can have conversation, I can get to know what's going on with Indy, I, we can talk through those things together, I can instill the, the godly character traits that I want in my kids, in my family, I can be a leader in that way at the table, mm-hmm. you know? Um, what if we were to, to have family values that we share at the table? just a value each each night. Or we read a little bit of scripture each night with our kids and we just plant those things in our family, but we gotta slow down enough mm-hmm. to not always be running through the drive-through, but ha- be intentional enough to have dinner at home around the table with my family. And yeah. what's more important? Yeah. Yeah. Right? But we, we, pr- we, we prioritize other things over it, but when we sit back, long enough to reflect what's more important. Yeah. So let's get to the next one. This one is going to be equally hurtful. Yes. 
Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. All right, some really practical things. You guys are going to hate every one of them. (laughs) Number one, take email off your phone. Just take it off your phone. Now, there are some of you, when I said that, immediately you thought, nope, not, not possible. I can't do that. Take it off your phone. It will save you so much time, so much distraction. This is one of the first things I did with my phone, and it was so freeing. And you know what? Honestly, ever since I've done that, I I haven't missed an email. I haven't missed something really important. I'm still on top of it, but I use a web browser whenever I have the opportunity, and it has saved me so much of my time and attention. Yeah, and and even on top of that, um, something that I'm going to be implementing myself or is specific times that I will commit to doing email, okay? So I I used to work uh, at a bank, right? And my day, many times, would be dictated by just that next email that comes in. And so then at the end of the day, I felt like, man, what did I even accomplish? I know I was busy, but what did I actually accomplish? And I was, I was, my, my whole day was being driven by my emails, by some other people, rather than being impactful with the things that I know would make a change, make a difference, impact people, you know, lead people better. And instead, I was, oh, here's another email, you know? And that holds true in the workplace and out of the workplace. Mm-hmm. Set a time for emails specifically so that we're not just constantly checking it. Yeah, yeah. Here's the next one. Minimize social media. And when we say minimize, cut it till it hurts. I'm serious. <laughs> this is one of the biggest time wasters in our culture today. It just is. And, and it's an addiction. I mean, it's a dopamine hit. Every time we pull out that phone, we want to start scrolling. And I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. Like I was telling Devin yesterday, um, I, I was trying to pull up something on Yahoo. And towards the bottom, I saw a link. And, and I could only see the top of the link. And it said, Britney Spears reveals, and I couldn't read the rest of the line, everything in my body wanted to scroll down to see what what the rest of that said. And I don't care at all. But everything in my body was like, scroll down and see what that's about. That that is how our body is reacting to these things all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, get rid of as much social media on your phone as you can. If you feel like something is adding value to your life, put a limit on it. 15 minutes every day. I'm not going to go beyond that. Whatever it is, cut it till it hurts and get some of your time and attention back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another thing with the phone is, and this is what I did implement last year. And again, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you right now, it has been so liberating is I've cut like almost every notification off of my phone. So I don't, when I get a text message for the past year and a half, I haven't had the, you know, because as soon as we hear it, Mm -hmm. our minds immediately go there and it breaks us from whatever it is that we were doing. And so I don't, I haven't dealt with that in the past year and a half. Well, I I can't even tell you (laughs) how freeing that was. So my phone, guys, this is crazy. It notifies me when someone's calling me. Mm. (laughs) That's what my phone does. So that's what I've, I've broken it down to. 
And then that way I'm not like, not in an important conversation with someone trying to be intentional in the moment and be present and hear in my mind immediately thinks of, oh, I wonder who that was. Do I need to look at that? Right. What was it uh, you told me yesterday? Yeah. So scientific research shows that even when you're in the same room with your phone, your brain is operating about 27% less than it normally is just because your phone's in the room. And so something in the back of your head's like, did I just get a text? Or is there a social media that I need to scroll? Like a little thing in the back of your head. Yeah. Think about the impact that that has on us. And it's so true. Yeah. And so one of the things that, that I've done um, recently, because this is still a problem for me, I'm still working on this, is um, last week we said 2,600 times a day we touch our phones. And so what I've started to do is I've tried to be conscious. When I have that feeling, grab your phone, and, and I realize I don't need to, I just say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to touch the phone. And sometimes I have to say it over and over again. No, no, no. And two minutes later, I might grab it. But like, can I at least get that number down to like a thousand or something? Like, like just get some self-control back. By the way, that's a good thing to do in any of your spiritual practices, just learning how to say no. Like, that's so important. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give my time to that. And it allows us to right size on the things that that truly matter. One last thing, and then we'll move to the, to the next. Um, there's a really cool quote in the book. It says, do not let your phone set your emotional equilibrium and your news feed to set your view of the world. Yeah. And I think those two things are really key. Yeah. And, and so that's, so along with that is parent your phone. What I mean by that is put your phone to bed when you would be putting the kids to bed. Mm-hmm. All right. Put it on uh, airplane mode so you're not getting text messages and phone calls and all the things afterward. You can just spend quality time uh, with God, with your significant other, whatever it is at that point, right? Like allow your body, we're talking about mind and body. We know, we all know what the blue screen does to us late at night, uh, but yet we keep doing it. So like put it to bed, put it on uh, airplane mode and be done with it. 90% of people, the first thing they do when they wake up is look at their phone. And like Dustin just said, we are allowing a text message, an email, social media, news to to set the tone Mm. for our day. Mm. So put it to bed and then don't wake it up until after you have prioritized your quiet time in the morning. Mm -hmm. Let that set the tone of your day and not the other stuff. Even if it's a two-minute prayer. Yeah. A two-minute prayer before you, you pick up your stinking phone. Like, let's just, let's, let's do the things that matter first, and, and it'll help us. One more thing, and then we'll get to the next spiritual practice. Um, so, so the next thing, and this is big in our culture, is devalue your television. Devalue your television. This is something uh, that sucks up so much of our time, so much of our attention. Uh, again, the average American family spends 35 hours a week watching television. Uh, In the book, it says it's the one addiction for which binging is still socially acceptable, which is is so true. And um, you go read what what some of the Netflix uh, executives are saying. They know exactly what they're doing to capture our time and our attention. Remember I said earlier, our spiritual practices aim us where we want to go. Well, so does watching Netflix. It aims us in a particular direction. So does scrolling through social media. It aims us in a certain direction. So let's take it back and let's realize what we're giving our time and our attention to. By the way, just if you're doing the math, that means the average American spends eight hours a day either on their phone or watching television. Eight hours a day, guys. 
let's get some of this back and realize what's truly important. Yeah, something that hit me in this is um, it's, it's very hard for us to get anything from television that helps us to be a better apprentice of Jesus Christ. The, the majority of things on our television are things that actually lead us to the very things that we read about that we don't want as Christ followers. You know, lust is all over our television sets. If it ain't on the television show itself, it's on the commercials and on and on and on, right? It's the very thing that we don't want. But, but as a Christ follower, we want to make sure that we are putting in the stuff that we want because we know the whole garbage in, garbage out thing, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be putting in the things that really matter. Yeah, and we're not being overly cynical here. What, what, what would be important is sit down with your family and just be intentional. How much of this really adds value to our life and how much of it is just a distraction from, from the things that really matter? And maybe that's two hours a night. Maybe that's an hour a night. Whatever it is, like get it down to a level yeah. to where we can actually still do things that yeah. add value. Set your limit. Yeah. Stick with it. Yeah. And make it better than five hours a day. Yeah, All right. Please. Like, can we do, do that? Yeah. Okay, so slowing down. This is something we're going to practice. We're going to get it into our bodies so that we can breathe again. We can be mindful. We can be intentional with our lives. Let's get this back. Here is the the second, the last uh, principle we're going to talk about today, and that is the practice of silence and solitude. All right. This is um, a very historical practice. We'll talk a little bit about that here, but this is something we need to regain. So silence and solitude, maybe what does that mean to you? Yeah, so silence, do I need to explain that? Maybe. Um, so we do live in a world that is constantly going, buzzing. There's a noise that's just kind of always present. Um, we get in the car and we have to be listening to something, you know, like silence, that we would put ourselves in a place of silence and solitude. So we've got to put ourselves away from uh, the, the things that distract us, and in, in time away from people that will distract us as well, where we can have solitary time to just be with God. And uh, I just got back from the Grand Canyon, and I'll tell you what, like, it was perfect timing for this because I'm like, oh, my Lord. I was sitting on the canyon uh, Wednesday morning and just, like, taking it in. It was silence and solitude. I, I just started... Um, I was reading some some of the book. I would stop. I would take things in. I just started like writing in my phone because I didn't want to forget. I'm like, it's grand, all right. I'm awestruck, more so than ever. It's truly breathtaking. It's hard to believe God's beauty. It's so unreal. It looks fake. The way the sun strikes it at different times, different angles, different colors pop. The, the depths and the crevices, the layers, to hear nature so clearly, the birds squawking as they fly over the canyon and hear the echo, the flapping of its wings, the little birds and squirrels in the trees, the, the little trees on top of a rock peak, the coolness of the air with these breath of pockets of warmth that shoot up, the consistent layers of rock and soil, and just like taking it in. You know, and, and like I was saying, I know we can't just walk out the door and be at the Grand Canyon, but 
we can't, we, like there's beauty all around us. And, um, and I, I'm, one of the things that Tara and I do that is so healing and refreshing for us is just going and taking a walk and leaving the phone at home. And the AirPods yeah, at home. It's all at home. And we're just going to go on a walk. And we're just going to look around at nature. We're going to talk. It's just going to, mm-hmm. it's a time, right? It's just time to slow yourself down. Silence and yeah. solitude is so important. So here's what's interesting. Um, when I was doing research on this a couple of years ago, I, I read a poll that said that for modern day Christians, the number one issue is that they feel disconnected from God. It's the number one issue. We just don't feel him. We don't, you know, we don't feel like he's in our midst. And it's no surprise. I, I mean, if, if you don't give God any of your time and any of your attention, why in the world would you feel connected to him? If that was your relationship with your spouse, would you feel connected to them? You don't give them any of your time. You don't listen. You don't share secrets. No, no private time. Would you feel connected to that person? Of course not. And, and so this is something that is really, really important to get back because it allows us to actually be aware of the presence of God all around us. He's all around us. Like for me, the biggest breakthrough I've had with this, and I'm not kidding, is um, at night, I'll sit down in my couch and uh, nobody around, lights are almost completely off, I'll sit there and I'll just start breathing and I'll try to get myself into just a, a place of in the moment and all of a sudden I can just like feel the presence of God like surround me. Like, oh my gosh, he's right here. I can like feel him almost wrapping his arms around me and I can just talk to him and I can listen to whatever it is that he might be trying to say or where he might be trying to lead and guide me. Why would I not do that as much as I can? This is something that we have to focus on. Yeah, Tuesday night, I was so overwhelmed by his presence as I just took in everything. Um, This will surprise you guys. I cried. You know, it was like crazy. Uh, I might be a little emotional at times. But uh, another big reason that that, um, we want to do this is Jesus did this. Mm, Imagine that. Jesus Jesus practiced this. He's, He's our... The best leader, we are following him. That in our whole life, we're following him. This is something that, as you read the Gospels, this is something that he prioritized. Mm -hmm. How many times do we read that he went away in solitude? Mm -hmm. Right, like he needed. He would say, "I need to get away." Now, if Jesus needed it, Mm -hmm. Lord knows we need it. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus practiced this. Something that I thought was awesome is. Um, most of us probably know about right before, right after Jesus got baptized, he went to the wilderness, right? He went to the wilderness where he's tempted by the enemy. And um, I have heard so many people talk about this part of scripture. And it's always, of course, that enemy is going to come after you when you're weak, when you're down. Of course, the enemy is going to come after you, right? But it said that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. So maybe, maybe Jesus was weak in his physical body, but spiritually, maybe the Holy Spirit was like, no, I need to get him to a place of silence and solitude so he can have the strength yeah. to take on what was coming. Mm-hmm. So the, the silence and solitude leads to a place of strength yeah. in our spiritual life. Yeah. Luke 5.16 says, and listen closely, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often. Yeah. 
that's something like, we, that's, that's one of those things we should have on coffee mugs and things like that. Like, this is something that we should actually be doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, another thing that we tend to do is, right, when we feel drained, what do we do? We run to Netflix. I just need a mind-numbing something, or I just need a night out. I need, you know, that's what we do, right? I'm just, I need, I need to go do this. Right, But when Jesus, when we saw Jesus get to this place, when he would spend all day healing and being with people where, where he had to be exhausted, he would then prioritize silence and solitude. He would say, I need this. And instead of sleeping in, he prioritized that time with God. Isn't that something? Because when I get drained and exhausted, I'm like, yeah, I just need to sleep in. Like, I need this. I need to sleep in. No, what I need is quiet time with him. Yeah. Um, so he actually says it here. Right, right going into when Jesus feeds the 5,000, the apostles gathered around him. So many people were coming and going. They didn't even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get rest. Mm. Instead of running to the things, the vices that we have, the practices that we already have in our life, mm. no, let's go to a quiet place and rest in him. And right before he gets crucified, what did he do? Mm. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's off alone, quiet time with one of the, the things that I, uh, I read on this that had an impact is what silence and solitude often brings back is uh, the simple concept of self-reflection. Like we're actually able to sit and think about the, the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm practicing, the words that I'm saying, do they truly line up with my values and the person that I want to be? Because this is something we're missing today. We're in such a hurry. We're just go, 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 go that we never actually reflect on the lives that we're living and the impact that we're making. So then we get to the end of our lives and we're like, where did that go? What happened? This allows us to come back to the moment and, and truly prioritize the things that have value. Yeah, and just super quick, um, is there is a difference between solitude and isolation. Hmm. Okay, please hear that. There's a difference between solitude in isolation. Solitude is going to lead to an engaging relationship with God. A place of isolation is where we can get to a place of danger, right? right? So uh, when we go to a place of solitude, it's a deliberate, intentional time with God versus isolation when we're running away from the stuff, right? And, And what we're doing is instead of strengthening ourselves, we're, we're actually putting a target on our back by isolating ourselves. It's, it's a place of weakness versus strength. And so I just want to call that out because our natural tendency is that when something happens, we want to run, we want to hide, we want to isolate. And, and those are actually the times that we, we need to come together uh, or we need to be more intentional in a place of solitude where we're intentional with him. Yeah. Okay. Slowing down, silence and solitude. Slowing down, silence and solitude. What, what I would encourage you this week to do is to practice both of these things as often as you can. 
Find the areas of your life where you can implement these things. Find a quiet place in your home or in your neighborhood or wherever it is that you can practice these things because what you practice is what you become. And what we want to become is people who are mindful, intentional, who are truly focused on the things that matter. And so um, why don't we just kind of bow our heads and say a word of prayer together that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us and help us in these areas. Heavenly Father, we, we love you so much. Like, God, hear my heart. I love you so much. My life's desire is to serve you, to be a living sacrifice for you, to be like you. That, that is the life that I want to live. And so I just pray that you would help me, that you would help us, that you would strengthen us in this journey so that as we leave this place, that we can truly be a people who aim our hearts and our minds and our affections towards you and you alone. Not, not towards other things that are fading away, not towards entertainment, not towards selfish desires. Aim everything we have towards you and you alone because there is nothing better than you. And so God, I, I don't know where each one of us are at in this journey. I don't know, you know to what level we feel like we need to make improvements here, but, but you know us individually, personally, intimately, And so I just pray that you would stir in our hearts and our minds in a way that helps us in our context and in our daily lives to truly live these things out. God, this is all about being in relationship with you. These aren't just like rules that we're supposed to do because this is religion. This is about getting closer to you and being more like you. And so that's what we wanna do with our lives. That's what we wanna be given to. So truly, I pray for, for strength And I pray for encouragement, I pray for love, and I pray for grace to just encompass us as we walk in these things. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.